Welcome to Freelance Deals, a podcast for anyone who is self-employed, freelance, or thinking about it. Every episode, I speak to a different person from the self-employed community or a freelancer, talking about their story, their experiences, and getting all of their advice for you so that you can have a happier freelance time too. Freelance life is often seen as a holy grail, and it's not always easy. And I hope that these conversations bring comfort, support, and advice to people that really need it. If you enjoy the podcast, please do rate and review it. And if you'd like to join me and talk more about Freelance Fields, come over and have a chat on Instagram at freelance underscore fields. And now, on with the episode. Welcome to Freelance Fields, conversations about self-employed life. This episode, I am talking to Matthew Knight, founder of Leapers.co. Matthew, welcome. Lovely to have you here. Hi, Jenny. Good to be here. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yes, I'm fresh from a dog walk and ready to chat about freelance life. So it's a Friday, sort of the end of the working week, but not always for freelancers, I guess. Yeah, and this week has been a weird one because my kids went back to school yesterday. So yesterday felt like a Monday. I was grateful for having, oh, I've got my day to actually focus on stuff. Thought I'd kind of like throw myself into getting stuff done and tapping and a batch. I was like, where am I? What, I, what do I do? <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> Who am I? What? Like, another coffee, I think. Yes, always, always. So would you like to start by telling everybody what it is that you do, what Leapers is, what your freelance is, and indeed if you call yourself freelance or if you use a different word for your self-employed status? Oh, there's about four questions in yes, one there, sorry. isn't it? Yeah, so <laughs> no, not at all. Um, and, and you know what? The answer is something I've struggled with my entire mm-hmm. career. My mum doesn't know what I do. Um, I think she thinks I do something in computers. I am a strategist. Uh, So I help businesses figure out what to do next. I think that's the easiest way of describing it. Um, Sit down with them, listen to what they're struggling with, hear what they are facing at the moment and kind of play it back and give them some of my kind of input and direction. I I liken it to being in therapy a little bit, actually. Mm. It's like you just do a lot of listening. The difference is that therapists are not meant to have a point of view or an opinion. Yes, um, I find that with coaching. I'm not allowed to say what I think. Not it's allowed, exactly, yeah. <laughs> but I, I get paid to, to uh, then butt in with my own opinions, which is Ooh, nice. Yeah. Um, and do I call myself a freelancer? You know what? It's a really interesting uh, question. I do because people understand what freelancer means mm. at its surface level, right? They, they yeah. get the, the idea of, oh, okay, you work for yourself. Um, but I tend not to, that's generally when I'm having conversations with people that aren't about work. So mm. if that boring question of, oh, what do you do? Um, I'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm a strategist. Uh, oh, who do you work for? I'm, I'm self-employed or I'm a freelancer. Mm-hmm. Generally, when I'm talking to clients, though, I say I'm independent. Um, and I think independent to me is a really powerful word, uh, particularly for strategy work. It means that I'm impartial. Uh, it means that I don't have anything to sell them. It means that I'm not trying to get a promotion out of them or kind of like choose one route over another or anything like that. It means that I'm coming with, you know, a point of view that is, is impartial and, and they can and take that or, or leave it as they see fit. <laughs> but also I think independent really sums up what a lot of self-employed and freelancers and and flexible workers are really striving for is that sense of control and autonomy and independence from being having to work in a certain way Uh, and they might want that freedom because uh, they enjoy it or they might have been frustrated in a previous role Mm. they might need that flexibility and independence because they're a carer or a parent or or they have uh, needs which employment doesn't work for them so i think independence is a really powerful word and i think to a, to a certain extent freelancing has a lot of connotations mm. attached to it um of being a gun for hire or somebody you just draft in you know overflow resource or kind of last minute and and almost feels disposable and i don't i don't really like that aspect of the word freelance so i think independence is is the ultimately the word which i, I like settling with I absolutely love that. And out of all, I think this is something like my 50 
I'd be like my 55th or something episode. I'd have to go back and look, but let's, let's go with mid-50s. No one's ever said that that's how they describe themselves. So I always ask people, what do you say? And some people say, well, I'm an entrepreneur. Somebody said they were an inventor. But nobody said, actually, that they say to their clients they're independent. And you're right, it has a real power to it because you're immediately telling them you're not affiliated to any other big organisation. If they're getting mm. you, they're just getting you and your expertise. But like you say, you're not freelance, as in you're not just there for the day or you're not just a bit of an extra body. You're someone they would hire in, in a, the, the same way they'd hire a, a big company with 200 employees or more. I really like that. I also yeah. think it's really interesting in, in that labels are really powerful but also mm. meaningless at the same time and i think you know there are five million self-employed workers in the uk depending on the way that it's defined because it isn't clearly defined yeah. there's about two and a half million freelancers and the way that ipsay define that is someone who's specialist in their field okay. um so it I wouldn't like uh, an uber driver for instance mm -hmm. uh, wouldn't be classed as a freelancer um, even if they are self-employed, but yeah. maybe somebody who's a specialist in their in their field is classed as a freelancer. So, but but it has no legal definition. It has no definition in terms of like tax legislation. HMRC don't recognise the notion of mm. freelancing, and fundamentally, freelancing is just a way of working. It's not a profession. So when people describe themselves as a freelancer, it's a really odd thing to me because that's not what you do. That's how you do what you do. Oh. Um, so I think, you know, people, it, it's surprising when I hear I'm a freelancer because the next question will be doing what, mm, as opposed I'm to I'm a designer or an, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and then you'll say, well, actually, why do I need to say freelance at all? Mm. Um, and, and if you think about your, your career rather than right now, I think again, coming back to this flexibility thing, one year you might work, be working independently, the next year you might take on a 12 month contract, then you might go back into a job for a while, then you might. And I think this idea of like defining ourselves by how we work is a, a little bit meaningless. It's really about what does our work do for the world? What does it create? What impact does it have on the world as opposed to the job title or the way in which we work? And, and the more variety we're seeing in roles these days, labels like freelance just don't really tell you anything other than the fact that maybe they're not on PAYE. Yes, maybe we're, we're putting a lot of expenses in. I think people think when you're freelance, you can claim back all the dinner money. Like if you go out for dinner, you're like, no, no, you just put your receipt in. You're not getting the whole amount back like you would from a company if you went for dinner. So many myths and misunderstandings around what freelancing is and yes. means. And I think, yeah. you know, this is, this is one of the reasons why Leapers exists as, as a community full of people who are all self-employed or mm. freelancers or consultants, you know, regardless of how they define themselves. It's fundamentally this idea of uh, those who are actively designing how they want to work and perhaps don't have a boss above them. I think, you know, that's the simplest way of thinking about most of the people yeah. in Leapers is that they don't have a manager. They don't have somebody looking after them. They don't have an HR team. They don't have that support structure. So Leapers is part of that support structure for mm. them. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's fundamentally what we're trying to provide is that when you are working independently, um, it can be isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think the, the all too common articles about freelancing is isolating, therefore go and work in a co-working space. I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to that because it's not just isolating. It's not just independent. It's everything between. Yeah, totally I think agree. Yeah. It can be isolating. There are unique challenges to self-employment that just don't exist in employment. Mm -hmm. They just don't. There are lots of overlap around toxic work cultures and, oh, you know, yeah. kind of not uh, salaries and progression and all this kind of stuff. But there are unique challenges to self-employment. And I think when you are having a conversation around, oh, I'm struggling with something or I, or I need some support or how do you do this? It's really important to have a conversation with people who get it, who've mm. been there, who understand that experience. Classic example. If somebody is really overworked, really nice position that we've got too much work coming in, we're having to turn stuff down, we've got like, for whatever reason, we're multiple clients at once, that can be a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Working late into the evenings and weekends. And if you turn to a friend and say, oh my God, I've got so much work on at the moment, I'm really stressed, I'm like struggling, so often a response can be, you're freelance, you've got unlimited holiday, why don't you just take some time oh off? Oh my God, that's so right? true. Yeah, I've got my head in my hands right now because I'm like, so many people think that I work part-time because I work yeah. myself. They're like, can you do Tuesday afternoon? I'm like, no, 
Yeah. Why would I be able to do? They're like, because you're flexible. I'm like, mm, sort of. <laughs> exactly, and and I think you know that that conversation is frustrating because actually you're looking for support. That's a call for help. Yeah. Um, yeah. And to get a response like, oh, can't you just take some time off is, is not helpful. Mm. Whereas you say that to a, a fellow freelancer or somebody who's self-employed and they immediately get it. Yeah. So actually they jump to practical, useful suggestions or even just a, a, a hand on your shoulder and say, yeah, I get it. Is there anything I can do? Yeah. Um, and I think that's so, so super important to have those communities and those networks who understand what you're going through, even if there isn't an answer to that problem. Yes. It's about saying, I see you, I hear you. Mm. I've been there as well. Oh, it's rubbish, isn't it? Do you want a cup of tea? Oh, that's so nice. I love that. And you're so right as well, because only a freelancer will understand, like a freelancer could say in that situation, okay, hang in there. You're mm. going to have a lot to do at the moment, but remember feast and famine. You're going to have a quiet period after this. So yeah. hang on in there and a couple of clients will, will probably calm down and things will, you know, balance out again. Yeah, that, that sense of community. So we mentioned Leapers, but tell people, those who don't know, when did you found Leapers? What's, what's it all about? What does Leapers provide? Tell us everything about it. Absolutely. So Leapers is a project supporting the mental health of the self-employed. Mm -hmm. um, we have been around for four years. It's our birthday, I think. Um, I never know when we officially started, but I think it's our birthday next week. Oh my goodness. Well, that's um, perfect. An episode yeah. of the podcast on your birthday. Happy um, birthday, so Leapers. Thank you <laughs> from cool. everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so so yeah. fundamentally, we do three things. Um, <laughs> at, at our heart, we're a community. So there's about um, 5,000 registered members, um, about 3,000 in our Slack community, and it is the water cooler. It's the canteen at work. It's those kind of shared spaces that if you were in a job, you would hang out around the kettle. How's your weekend? What are you up to at the moment? Complain about, you know, somebody who's annoying you, um, you know, kind of sing happy birthday. You know, all those kind of classic things that perhaps um, even if you don't miss them, and, and never engage with those things at work. Those small micro interactions, which are super important. It's just like, hey, good morning, making a cup of coffee with each other. Yeah. Um, so it's a space for people who, you know, a team for people who don't have a team. That's how we describe it. Um, but it also has a whole load of uh, channels around specific um, challenges. So we, we have a, an Ask Anything channel where people mm -hmm. can just ask anything and, and the wisdom of the community kind of steps in and, and gives some suggestions. We have a channel called work well, where people can say how they're doing that week. Mm. Um, and it's not necessarily asking for support. It's just being able to share it without necessarily yeah. kind of expecting anything in, in return. Um, so a number of different spaces, which fundamentally it's, it's a safe psychological space where people can say, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with at the moment and, and feel a sense of connection to others. Mm -hmm. the, the second thing which we do is we curate and signpost to resources that really help the self-employed build mm -hmm. healthy habits and practices for them to work well. So there might be conversations which appear in the community on a regular basis and we turn those into resources. So mm -hmm. if somebody is uh, struggling with a client who is late paying, uh, that might not sound like a mental health challenge, but it fundamentally is. It can oh, create huge so. anxiety yeah. and, you know, it's all sorts of things. Uh, it can knock your confidence. It's mm -hmm. not just about the finance side of stuff. So we turn those conversations into resources and articles and guides so that the next person who comes along can grab that wisdom yeah. in, a, in a handy place. And the third thing which we do um, is increasingly trying to work with employers. So those organizations who work with freelancers who hire freelancers and help them understand what is the best way of working well with freelancers. Uh, what are the things that are, need to be in place when somebody starts to support them on their project and, and when that project finishes. And this, this isn't mental health, actually. This is about good working practices, onboarding, communication, paying on time, feedback, but all of those things impact your mental health. And it's a win-win because ultimately the employer, the client gets a better quality of work if yeah. the individual is better supported and the individual is able to continue doing work. So across those three things, fundamentally what we're trying to do is 
raise awareness of how important mental health is at work for the self-employed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a nice to have. We all have mental health. It goes up and down. So we're trying to help people understand their relationship with mental health, how they can improve it and make it more sustainable. Because fundamentally, you're your business's most important asset, right? <laughs> if, if you don't power charge your laptop at night, it's not going to work the following morning. It's exactly the same for you. If you're not resting, if you're not setting boundaries, if you're not investing in your own um, capabilities and your needs, you will burn out. Mm -hmm. And that means your business cannot do great work. It means you will not have income. It means that you will not be a sustainable self-employed worker. So it's about establishing that awareness and then the tangible things which you can do to build a better working practice Mm -hmm. and then over time what does that look like to grow so um, I think a lot of self-employed people can be very kind of focused in that year or the project which they're working on what do you want to be doing in a couple of years time how do you need to think ahead about financial resilience Mm -hmm. or career progression because again all of those things are influences on our mental health if we don't feel that we are progressing if we don't feel that our work is meaningful, mm-hmm. if we don't feel that we're being heard or we're connecting with, with um, others in, in a meaningful way, if, if our work doesn't align with our values, that has a detrimental impact to our mental health. So ultimately, it's about creating sustainable ways of working. Um, and yeah, it, we're not the only people doing this. I mean, I think, you know, if you look back over the last four years, the conversation around mental health and self-employment has started to change. I mean, mm. Jenny, you've done fantastic work in, in oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you were one of the earliest people who actively called out, you know, what does it feel like to be self-employed and looking at the emotional side of mm. things. Yeah, Cause which, everyone was which, like, here's how to do your tax return. It's like, well, you can work that out, but it's like, yeah. you just feel so rubbish in January when you're doing your tax. I always use that as an example. I would say to people, I can't tell you how to do it, but I can tell you how to cope with feeling a bit crap about it. <laughs> and it's so important. You're right. I mean, there are so many resources around mm. what accounting software to use. Are you limited company or self? You know, all yeah. the operations of running a business, so many amazing platforms, resources, communities, which do that. But at the time when we started, very, very few conversations around the emotional experience. Mm. And I think those two have to work well together and you know, it, it's, there are now, I think things have changed. COVID has had a massive impact on the focus of mental well-being uh, mm. for, for employees and the self-employed as well. I mean, like what, the last three years for the self-employed, Brexit, IR35, COVID, oh, you know, it, it's just on and on and on. We're having such um, a nice chat now. You've all those swear words. <laughs> I know, and I and and you know, it, it's the worst case scenario is that people bury their head in the sand mm-hmm. and don't do anything about yeah. it. Yeah. And if you are working on your own, if you don't have those support networks, those community mm. networks, if you don't embrace with actually this is making me feel sad or angry or worried or excited or you know whatever, then you are ignoring a really important part of how you work um so yeah it's something which we try and just encourage everybody to to share and engage with as opposed to parking it away in a little black box yeah and pretending it's not there and i completely agree with you about the impact on mental health of all the practical things though so you kind of think well even so you get the client who might be late paying and then you're thinking right you've got to build yourself up to sending them an email Mm. you feel like perhaps you're like you're going to annoy them or you sound like you're badgering them and then then you write that classic line i just wanted to email (laughs) yeah when what you really want to say is hey did you get paid this month i'd like to get paid this month (laughs) there's the the anger and the the feeling stupid and the feeling like yeah i'd like i'd like to be paid now because that's how the world works you know i need the money for the work i've done and it all then impacts was there a personal experience that led you to set up Leapers? What, what led you to decide to, to start the whole, the whole thing? I've been self-employed in, in one form or another for pretty much most of my career. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am very well aware of the challenges and the you know, wonderful things about mm-hmm. being self-employed, setting up your own business. Um, but the reason why Leapers came about wasn't um anything too related to that actually i mean i have struggled with depression and poor mental health for the last 
15 years or so. Mm -hmm. So I have lived experience of poor mental health. Fortunately, it's never been so bad that it's been debilitating, Mm -hmm. but it does have a very direct impact on, on my work. So, uh, you know, imposter syndrome and, and kind of lack of confidence and, uh, not going for jobs, which I could absolutely do, but feeling like I couldn't, you know, it, it has oh, a direct really impact on that one. Yeah. Energy levels. I don't send because I'm like, oh, why would I even send yeah. my CV for this? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it has a, that has a very direct impact. But the, the, the trigger, I su- suppose, for Leapers was I was actually in uh, a job which was coming to the end of um, uh, I, my time there. I was, a, I was a happy leaver. I was leaving because I'd, I'd learned everything I could in that role and wanted to do something else and had a six month notice period. And, and I wanted to. Uh, figure out what I was going to do next I didn't step into another role and I just started writing about my experiences of things like resigning how come everybody you know you're dead to everybody that's weird I didn't have a CV because I'd been self-employed for my entire career and and people were asking for CVs I was like that's weird why do you have this list of date and places you've been surely you should have a document which tells you what value you can add or how you work as opposed to just you know places and, Mm. and I was writing about this this quite openly and at the time um, there were a lot of people discussing flexible working, remote working, part-time job shares, just the changing nature of, of what work can be away from the classic nine to five, Monday to Friday. And I was just getting a fair bit of traction on my articles, but LinkedIn is a horrible place where you post something <laughs> and, and just get comments as opposed to conversation. And I wanted to carry on this conversation with people who, were asking me questions and were interested in similar things. So mm. I started a Slack channel and just said, hey, if anybody's interested in carrying on this conversation about the changing nature of work or making active decisions in how you work, come on over, we'll, we'll have a chat. That started um, kind of trundling along, uh, grew in numbers of people who joined. And it was probably only three or four months before I realized actually so many of the conversations which we were having were not around what tax bracket or what, you know, the operation side of things, but the emotional experience. Oh, I'm really worried about speaking to my boss about going flexible or I'm, I've just started freelancing, but I'm freaking out. Is this how this should work? And, and it was at that point, I just realized I was looking for resources to signpost people to and say, well, you know, oh, there's a great resource over here or there's a community. And, and I just couldn't find anything. Um, and, you know, we've subsequently done research that shows now over 65% of the self-employed when they're looking for support, don't know where to turn, don't know wow. where to find resources or articles. Oh uh, and Google is not, you know, necessarily people's friend. If you Google feeling isolated and you get an advert from WeWork saying, come and work, that's not impartial. It's not um, backed up in evidence or anything. So I just made a decision that let's focus on that aspect of self-employment, the the kind of mental health and well-being and support structure. Um, So when people are looking for something, we can, we can help them. And, and by no means, do I say that Leapers is the authority on these things? We, we uh, signpost to wonderful resources when we find them. So we've done work with um, other charities and, and organizations. Mind, for instance, have been a great uh, friend over the years in, in helping us with some of their resources. And likewise, they signpost to us uh, for self-employment. Um, we're doing some brilliant work with film and TV charity at the moment for very sector specific um, issues around, you know, kind of huge mental health challenges, uh, bullying, toxic workplaces. So they're doing great stuff as, as there are everywhere. Right. I don't, yeah. I don't think yeah, it's not specific to that. Industry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is significantly bad based upon research that exists in, in mm. TV more than many industries, but equally construction, um, it has a very oh. high proportion of self-employed contract workers, you know, builders, electricians, tradespeople, mm. generally are self-employed, uh, and a very, very high poor mental health incidences and incidences of uh, death by suicide in the construction industry. We're seeing more and more stories of horrific um, cultures and working experiences in advertising and marketing mm. at the moment. There've been no shortage of, of stories that we're seeing from that as well. And that creative industries is over 50% self-employed. So mm. I don't think uh, any industry, any worker is uh, safe from 
poor influences on their mental health. But when you're employed, you have the HR team, you have the employee mm. who has a moral duty, a legal duty to have pastoral care. Yes. There's nothing when you're self-employed and that's too much of a risk. And I just, mm. I don't want the 5 billion workers in the UK who are working independently to feel like they have to do it on their own. Oh, it's so lovely. And you've really made me think there. And I think a lot of freelancers, especially in the world, I guess I operate in a lot because I'm, you know, creative writing and that kind of thing. A lot of people don't re realise and remember that tradespeople and construction and, and the more practical jobs, you know, you get the plumber around, you don't think, well, hold on, they're self-employed as much as I am. But you yeah. don't always see those things if you're in one particular part of a freelance industry or self-employed industry. You forget that there's so many, it's so wide reaching to be self-employed and yeah, not everybody can suddenly go to a co-working space. And actually, co-working spaces can be lonely if you're not the kind of person that makes friends with everyone. Absolutely. You can be lonely in a busy office, Yeah. right? Um, I don't think that's what yeah. loneliness and isolation is. It's about meaningful connections or mm. people who get it. And you're absolutely right. Like, yeah, you will walk past a dozen different careers in a day and a huge proportion of those people could be self-employed in some form. Mm. But what, I mean, you've, you've interviewed, you know, 50 odd uh, yeah. folk Can't as you go. That. I mean, <laughs> probably a huge range of of different career types there do you see a commonality of their experiences uh, or is it really quite distinct depending on how they work and and what they do that's a really interesting question actually and i'd probably say that there are two things that unites everyone and the one is that one that you've mentioned and that's the financial side of things mm -hmm. things to do with rates chasing late payments yep. you know daring in inverted commas to raise your prices etc yeah, yeah. <laughs> saying well i'm worth this because i've done this much research or i've done this much training mm. the whole fear and worry around charging what you charge and being paid yeah and then i think social media always rears its head and it does it when mm -hmm. i'm coaching people as well it's just like the challenge of putting yourself out there am i doing it right do i look cool enough and then comparing yourself to everyone else who's also thinking that on social media. So even like your influencers are comparing themselves to a bigger influencer or yes, everyone is literally, I always say, you know, Harry and Megan are probably comparing themselves to Bosch and Bex or something. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, those and are think, probably the two main threads I'd say for everybody I ever talk to. Yeah. I think there's an 80, 20 rule um, that we see in leapers. So we are not sector specific. We definitely mm. over index in creative services, marketing, uh, you know, kind of white collar um, self-employed mm. professions. Um, that's not to say we, we, we ha our doors are open to all. We've had mm. a nuclear decommissioning engineer um, as, a, as a member for, for a while. I remember. So it, you know, couldn't be more worlds apart. That's amazing. <laughs> um, some people literally are saving lives. And, uh, but the, the 80, 20 rule applies to the sorts of questions and concerns that they have 20% of them might be like sector specific. And that's when we try and signpost, but 80% of the challenges are shared across regardless of, of yeah. uh, you know, what sector. So as you say, financial wellbeing is one of the pillars of mental health for self-employed it is the biggest cause of anxiety in the uk regardless of how you're employed is is anxiety around debt or, or income um huge relationship really really strong proven relationship between how you feel about money and how you are uh, from a mental health perspective mm. so that is absolutely a common thing which we see the, the second point you talk around and, and this comes to things like pricing as well is confidence yeah um and and as you say comparing yourself to others is a is a dangerous slippery slippy road um but i think exacerbated when you're self-employed because you don't have someone patting you on the back and go dude that was awesome you know you don't have those moments maybe where you do in in a workplace where people are celebrating that and stepping up and go that's brilliant and you're mm -hmm. hearing it from others you're in your head you've only got yourself to give yourself feedback which is why we do a number of the things which we do. We, we have these channels in, in uh, Leapers. One of them is called Little Wins, which Oh, is, yes, I love Little know, Wins. That's one of my favourite ones. It's the a, little such wins. a simple habit. But it's mm. like if you can try and think of just one thing that you've done today or this week and just go, yeah, I actually took a lunch break today. That is as much of a, a win, as mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned, as a, a new client. 
uh, it's it's all of the small incremental steps so you can see that share that progress see the celebration when everybody else goes out yeah that's amazing let's have a look at it and people pile on and go oh let's have a look at this blog post you've written or let's have a look at this thing that you've just posted or let's and and that that moment of shared celebration helps to create more of that confidence because you're getting it from others rather than just on your own and and again you know i will say this until people are bored of me that that sense of community and connection to others is so so critically important that if you don't have that support network and when i say support networks i don't Mm. mean like in times of crisis this is about positive support as much as it is when things are going wrong if you don't have that support network you will just struggle to be sustainable in the way that you work yeah Wow, that's really powerful. And I think you're right. It's about not waiting for the time of crisis, right? It's about saying, actually, today I'm not feeling great. I don't feel motivated. And someone else might come on and go, oh, mate, that was me yesterday. Do you know what? I just went and made a cup of tea. I just stopped emailing for half an hour and it felt so much better. Or something, you know, you're right. Real practical, like on the ground things that people do. But realistic as well, rather than saying, well, actually, then I made a lovely spreadsheet about it all. It's like, no, nah, I always just go make a cup of tea and walk away from the computer. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I mean, you know what? Tea is the, is the cure-all regardless. Isn't it the freelance drink of choice? I think, you know, coffee. what you talked about proactivity there is so, mm. so critical. It's like we, we are not set up to deal with people, support people in crisis. We signpost mm. to services like NHS or Samaritans or Mind Brilliant. because if people really are struggling and they're at risk, they need to get help. A, a mental health emergency is just as much of a emergency as a physical health emergency Mm. that's why if you need to you can call 999 if you really feel that you are struggling or somebody that you know is struggling and you think there is a risk to them that is just as important nobody is ever going to be feel that you're wasting their time um but the those days where it's off you know that's quite often when people come to leapers because they do want that extra confidence kick But I think where our real power is, is this proactive space. Mm. It is when everything's going fine, we will nudge people (laughs) annoyingly, I'm sure, (laughs) to think about all the stuff like, hey, if you've got some clients at the moment, your income's fine, you've got you're not overburdened, you've got some spare time. What's going to happen tomorrow? What do you think about in three months? Have you got some time to invest in some training or have you got some time to take some time off or and and constantly encouraging people to think not just in the moment but but slightly longer term so when those crisis moments do happen not if Mm. when those crisis moments happen when you are really struggling or where you don't know where to turn you've already got something in place we've we've helped you write a well-being plan so that when something falls apart you can turn to that and read what you're going to do as opposed to worrying about and figuring out what you need to do you've already prepared for it And I think that preparation, that being prepared ahead of when something goes wrong is is so important that when something does happen, that you are you're dealing with the issue as opposed to trying to figure out what to do. And and those are positive things as well. It's like one of our members um, writes an annual report for her clients at the end of every year to say the work that she's been doing, the projects and all that stuff. We're just saying, oh, it's such a lovely idea to even if you're not sharing it with anybody to write an end of year, an end of school report, if you like to say (laughs) how you're doing and you know, all of these positive things, which Mm. really help not just you as an individual go, Hey, look, actually I've done some amazing stuff, but help others go, Oh, actually it's okay to be proud of the stuff that you do, or it's okay to reduce your expectations on yourself because you're tired or Mm. it's okay to realize you can't take a day off um, because you need to work. All yes. of these things are okay. Um, and if you see somebody else doing it, if you hear somebody else doing it, then it just makes it that little bit easier. And maybe you can give yourself permission to do it as well. Definitely. I really love that. And talking of reports, you do an annual report as well, don't you? We do an annual study. Study. Yeah. I didn't know if you called it a report. Sorry. I was thinking uh, of no, annual I, study. I, well, I guess it's a study first and then it turns into a report of, of oh, some yeah. kind. I, we are really interested in this idea of like what influences mental mm. health. Um, there's still a stigma attached to mental health. I think people still hear mental health and think mental illness. Mm. Um, or even so, you know, just don't really want to talk about 
uh, emotions and feelings. A lot of people still feel it's in quote unprofessional to talk yeah. about emotions. I mean, the, the amount of posts you see on LinkedIn, like, Oh, you shouldn't be talking about like back off. Mm. Um, we're, we're very happy uh, to get people to bring their whole selves to work and be passionate about things. Yeah. But the minute somebody's not passionate or angry or frustrated, like, Whoa, that's not professional mm. nonsense. Um, so we've, we very much wanted to understand what are the things which have a relationship, a direct influence on mental health. And there wasn't really any research that we could find that, that understood the relationships between mm. self-employment and mental health. So we ask a series of questions. Uh, it's, it's the same question with a you know, different kind of bit in the middle of it, really. It's like, have you experienced this thing and how much of a negative impact did it have on your emotional well-being or stress levels mm -hmm. so have you ever experienced late payments 85 percent yes. of people say yes obviously <laughs> it's an irrelevant question but the but the understanding of did it have an impact on your mental health mm. is the important bit to understand mm. um have you ever had too much work have you ever not had enough work have you um how do you feel when you're taking holidays um are you a carer um, how much time do you spend learning new skills? Have you ever not done a project because you don't have, you know, it's a really a wide range of different aspects of the self-employment experience across a number of different themes. And then we look at what the effects or self-reported effects on their mental well-being are. And we produce that into a report and, and it guides the content and the work which we do for the following year. So if significant numbers of people are saying, actually, my stress levels around late payment are really, really high at the moment, we lean into that and, and produce guides on uh, how you can avoid that, how you can deal with the, the emotional sides of things and, and hopefully try and react to it. Um, and, and there's two really interesting things that I find that happen every year first of all, is the change in those levels of stress for different things. Obviously, you know, COVID uh, is, is unprecedented in, in the level of, of um, impact that it's had on everybody, um, but also has a knock-on effect of things like late payments on contract terms, on pricing, and those have a knock-on effect all the way down the line but the really interesting thing that i find every year is i get emails from people who have completed it saying i found this really useful to complete mm. because i didn't realize that this thing was causing me concern oh okay i'd never realized i'd yeah. never observed that consistently when this happens yeah. that is causing me stress or that is causing me an issue and it's all the small things. It's not those huge things like I've just been fired by a client or <laughs> I can't find anywhere. All those things are obvious and we know to think mm. about those things. It's the small things which potentially add up yeah. that being more actively aware of them, being more mindful about when they happen, how we feel about it, that that is what the report really shows. And it, it demonstrates that you need to have a holistic view about how you're working. It's not just oh, this one thing is stressing me out, therefore I'm going to go and meditate or do yoga and eat some bananas or something. It's about <laughs> a more holistic, integrated way of working well that over time establishes these habits and these kind of resiliences towards those things. So when it does crop up, you're better equipped to deal with it. When you get paid late, you're not feeling as stressed about it because A, you have a process in place that is perhaps automated, so you're not having to deal with it mm. personally. Or that you know it's part of self-employment, so you're, it's not your fault that you're getting paid late, it's yeah. their fault. Yeah, that's so or true. Or that you know who to turn to to go and do debt collection, or you know what your rights are. I'm using this as an example just because, you know, we know that over like 55% mm, of employment, yeah. self-employed freelancers are paid late. So, uh, but it, people don't pick up that it's necessarily a stressor. Um, so we're going to, we're going to launch our, our third year of doing the research um, next month. Brilliant. Um, so it would be fantastic for everybody who's listening to take part in that and send oh, it on to their friends as well. So that's October, 2021. October 2021 to, yeah. yes and all of the previous research is visible on, on the website so you can look back and see how things have changed as well and also we we welcome employers 
to take part oh, in these cool. things as well to to pass Brilliant. that on to their freelancers and say actually what are the things that worry you and then we help yeah. them through the report back to the employers to say hey guys look your payment terms are stressing out all of your freelancers mm. or the fact that you don't have an onboarding process or the fact that you're not giving people feedback at the end of their projects here yeah. are the five things which you could do to support your freelancers so they can work better with you yeah it's so interesting you say that because this came up with someone else um, that I was chatting to about a work project and I said look why don't I come in and tell your company what, what freelancers really need and they said oh they won't want to be told that they're doing anything wrong but I was like one of the biggest things is I've often worked in places say for a couple of weeks and they won't let you have a pass card for the door because you're right. freelance so every yep. time you want to go to the toilet or out for lunch <laughs> right. or get a bit of fresh air you have to go and ask a member of staff if they can let you out of the building and you feel like a child saying yeah. can, I, can I get a toilet please yeah. And even showing people where the toilet is. <laughs> yes. And often the staff don't know how the account system works. So yes. that you might say to them, well, when am I getting paid? And they'll say, I don't know. I don't work in accounts. Or oh, accounts are on the third floor. So you have to go up, up to another yeah. part of the building and knock on the door and go, oh, I haven't got a pass. So could someone let me in to talk to accounts? And it, you just start to feel a little bit like the work experience rather than a freelancer. And it's like, oh, sorry, it's I've really, uploaded yeah. there quite a lot emotionally, I've just realised. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a... <laughs> And, and you're absolutely right. It, it, I mean, there's two groups of employers, right? Or clients. There are those who don't care, mm. won't care. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the freelancers are just disposable, replaceable. It doesn't matter. Um, mm. We don't work with them because we can't change their attitudes towards things. So we work yeah. with organizations who want to, but perhaps don't know where to start. But I think one of the challenges we make this challenge for ourselves is that freelancers are really good at doing good work without all of that support. Mm. We make it in our, it's in our own interest to hit the ground running, to figure out where the toilets are, figure out where the intranet password, what the white, yeah. because we need to get working. We need <laughs> to show that we're moving already on day one. Like within the first half hour, we need to be showing value and we worry that oh if i ask too many questions or i say i'm struggling with can you help with this that it looks like you're being difficult or they're going to go oh god this guy's really hard work yeah. so we do our very best and we're really good at it at navigating new organizations new teams figuring things out for ourselves and just getting on with it how that looks to the client is i don't need to show mm, these things i don't need to show them where the toilet is or onboard them because Every freelancer I've ever brought in just figures it out. Mm. Therefore, there isn't a problem. So it's an invisible, it's not a big enough problem for people to, for employers to see because we're very good at navigating it because they have to. Yeah. That the reality is that the individual is less effective. They're less able to do a good job. They can't just get stuck in. The, mm. the quality of work will be poorer. I mean, I'm not saying that we do bad work, but if they were onboarded, if they were better supported, mm. if these things were like set up so they could hit the ground running super quickly yeah. because they don't have to figure out themselves, the quality of work improves. That is proven. So that's what we try and do with employers is say, look, this doesn't have to cost anything. This yes. doesn't you know, start a huge involved process. Just have an onboarding document, a PDF, which shows where the toilets are, what the Wi-Fi password is. But you can go even further than that. You can, explain what the culture is and what the expectations mm. are so when you're working in our organization we prefer numbers and data not big pictures on slides for instance mm -hmm. um, explain that at the start who you're working with who the contact details are for accounts or if there's an issue who you need to escalate things to just have that in a pdf give it that's to the freelancer genius. job done and and that's done once review it every six months something like that and yeah. and the quality of work will be better and the support for the individual will be better 100%. um the the challenge the reality is that generally nobody is responsible for freelancers in organizations mm. it falls between hrs or managers so who is it who's going to write that up and, and that's why we work with employers to take some of that effort off them we'll do it for you we'll help you write that onboarding document we'll we'll provide if you haven't got it on your intranet point them to our intranet and we'll 
support them we'll Brilliant. signpost them to resources we'll give them that support we'll create a community of other freelancers who are working at that place so they can share lunch spots or or yeah, you thing. know where you the wi-fi is where's the best it's all those little worky things isn't it and you're, you're like being the new yeah. person every five minutes aren't you it's like new girl again which i quite that, like i quite like I, being a new girl in places you know you get different coffee shops and yeah I, but but I think you know the the cognitive load of being a new starter. You know we've all been in jobs, right? Mm. At some point where we know it's quite it's day one. It's like oh, I've got to figure things out and all this kind of stuff. And there's usually you know most employers help make that as easy as possible. And that happens every maybe three years, yeah. right? For us, it happens every couple of weeks, yeah. every couple of months. The the emotional you know hit which we take having yeah. to do that time and time and time again you don't always realize um and the same with with rejection right everybody uh is if you're applying for a job maybe every couple of years you get turned down in that little window and then you get something hooray but freelancers we're getting told no mm. every week every day i bet that's a big one that day. comes up in the slack channel as well is the the rejection and, and the ghosting the professional ghosting yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. All, yeah. all really, really far too common uh, experiences. And our response generally is about pivoting how you see these things. Mm. You're not being rejected. It's, it's the same, you know, if you're out on the high street and you peer into a baker's window and mm. look at a beautiful cinnamon bun oh, and then choose hungry. not to buy it, <laughs> you're not rejecting the baker. You're just choosing that you don't want that right now. And it's the same with freelancing. You're not being told no. You're not being rejected. Mm. It's just at that moment, you're not the right fit for that. And I think you have to pivot your, your point of view when you're thinking about these relationships with new clients because you're throwing yourself out there so many more times. Therefore, you're going to get no so many yeah. more times. It's a law mm. of statistics. Yeah. And those no's are not about you. It's about it not being the right fit. Mm -hmm. So all of these little things just kind of pivoting the mindset a little bit about really this is part of the experience of being self-employed as opposed to you being not right um and again back to the community point when you see that others are going oh okay i didn't get that but i learned from it i would do this differently i got some great feedback you learn from others to to take those not as rejections but kind of steps towards winning the next project yeah I absolutely love that. That is fantastic advice. Oh, thank you. The, the time has flown. Um, I'd love it if you wanted to finish up before we, you can tell everybody obviously where they can find Leapers and all the places you might like to shout about. Um, what advice would you have for someone who's thinking about setting up a community for freelancers? If they're thinking, I want to do something, I want to do a freelance fields or a Leapers or a Facebook group even, would you have mm. a, a key piece of advice for somebody who might be considering building a community themselves as well? Oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I think, and this might sound like I'm, I'm trying to sabotage things. Uh, I think my <laughs> advice actually is don't. Mm. Um, join the existing communities and support those existing communities that are mm. doing fantastic work already. Uh, speak to the people who run those communities and say, can I help out? Can I support moderating or writing content or mm. getting involved in these things? Um, uh, because... I know from personal experience, but also talking to other community leaders in the space. So like Frankie at doing it for the kids and Ed oh, yes. and so on. Uh, you know, we all find it. It's it, none of us make any money from doing these things that we mm. do it because we, we care, but they're really emotionally challenging. It's a lot of hard work and actually having that support, having people coming and supporting the community is, is really powerful, but also it solves you the problem of having to build a community. It's like, there's already a thousand <laughs> people there support those individuals. And I think if we collectively do more to support each other, mm. as opposed to creating smaller pockets, um, it, it's easier for us to have more of a voice in the industry. Yeah. So we can at large go and speak to the government for instance or we can change uh law or speak to employees mm -hmm. and i think you know it's fewer bigger better is is more effectively the, the other side however i think you know starting uh, a community you know there are always communities about how rather than starting those communities it's about how can you support those communities exist where can you go mm -hmm. and find them and add something special to it but i think there's real value in um niches 
yeah and and going well actually where is that support group for single parent designers mm. I, like picking it out of nowhere <laughs> where is the support group for nurses who work in lincolnshire that i just you know whatever mm. but but finding that specialist group and saying how can we create content and experiences and, and stuff mm-hmm. that is based on this idea of like expert patients like we, we'll gather the people who really have been there and done it and know what they're talking about and yeah. surface that and i think that is that is the power of communities is they don't have to have scale they have to have a focus mm. and they have to offer value and it's not a community until the people in the community are actually supporting each other yeah. otherwise it's just broadcast platform yes yeah um, so so i think focus on something very specifically and and see what you can do to support those people as opposed to trying to create something mm-hmm. um because it's really hard work i think and it's I, time I consuming isn't it <laughs> time consuming i think it takes a lot of emotional energy as well and i think a lot of communities start with the intention of selling something Mm. at the end of it as opposed to how can we help the people help each other yeah um so yeah i think it's a laudable thing to do but regardless of you know how you want to start a community hang out with all the other people who are hanging community helping you know running communities as well learn from them um ask what you can do work together um, share content and resources mm-hmm. because if somebody's written a brilliant article over here, you don't need to duplicate it. Just signpost it or, or cop, you know, ask you if yeah. you can borrow it and distribute it. And that way, actually, we can all work together as as a collective mm-hmm. of communities that mm-hmm. is rising the tide so that everybody benefits from it. Thank you so much. First of all, thank you. I've loved chatting to you. It's brilliant. And um, thank you as well. I've often quoted Matthew in articles. Um, for underpinned um, if people have listened to the last episode with, with uh, Jack from underpinned so yes yeah, it's, it's lovely to actually chat to you in person um, where can everyone find leapers where can they find you if they'd like to talk to you as a business strategist tell us everywhere we can locate you and, and leapers of course I think the easiest thing to do is google leapers mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and and hopefully we should be the top result um, leapers.co as in leapers community is our website and that's where you can um, sign up to join the community on slack for free we've also got um, tons of resources and articles around many different themes and topics on uh, self-employment and and well-being including resources and, and ebooks and, mm-hmm. and downloadables we're on LinkedIn as well, if you're that way inclined, cool. if you just search for me, Matthew Knight. And then that's where you can um, speak to me about if you'd like to work with me as well. I think if there are people who are employers it, it, listening um, or, or connected to employers and you're interested in working better with a freelance community, yeah. I'd, I'd love to hear people because that's really what I'm focusing on for the, for the next 12 months is, is how we can help businesses work better with other businesses um, because there's no point in spending all of our time looking after individuals if the well is poisoned um, so wow. we need to go yeah, and no, you're right there's no point paying bit. freelancers and having them in your office or on your team if you're not using their productivity to the max as well and, and looking after people's mental health is gonna you know you get more work out of people that you say thank you and please to essentially don't you yeah at the end of the all, day yeah. and, and everybody enjoys it a little bit more so. yeah and thank you for sharing everything and i hope people come and Come and join Leapers. Come and join the conversations. Thanks, Jenny.